Hello, good morning and welcome to the TechMap podcast. My name is Andy Bargery. Today I am talking with Katie King, who is an author, a keynote speaker and an agency owner. And Katie is somewhat of an expert in the space of AI or artificial intelligence. And I've invited Katie onto the show to talk a bit about, you know, what's the state of play with AI? How can we as marketeers use the tech and what does the future look like? So I hope that you get some value out of the show. Please, as always, leave a review. Let us know what you think. But for now, I hope you enjoy the show. Katie, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Andy. I'm very well, thank you. Good to be on your show. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm really pleased that you have uh, taken some time out to come and talk to us this morning. Um, for those that don't know who Katie is, I guess you're best described as a what, an author, keynote speaker, um, agency owner. Is that is that a very short version as to who you are? That's right, Andy. Yeah, I've been in marketing. I'm going to show my age now. I've been in marketing for about 28 years, um, mostly on the consultancy side. I've spent the last 15 years running my own businesses, Zudica's. And then in the past year, I set up AI in marketing as a consultancy. I'm sure we'll cover that a bit more. But yes, as you say, um, I'm a published author. My book comes out next month and a keynote speaker. So uh, yeah, I'll talk in a few moments a bit more about that journey. Yeah, please. I'd love to hear a little bit about the journey of becoming an author, a published author as well. But what I what I really want to what I really want to get from you today and to learn from you is let's explore this whole area of artificial intelligence or AI. And you know, what does what does that mean to the marketing profession in terms of, you know, what are the applications and the uses of this tech for us to make a bigger impact? And what does that mean in terms of you know, what do we need to know to be able to work in this space with the evolving world of AI? Um, that will be, if we can get through that in this short show, I'll be delighted. We definitely can. Uh, we definitely can. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Okay, well, look, why don't we get started then? Could could you, I guess, lay it out in layman's terms as to what actually is AI? Okay, so in terms of the definition, we're really talking about um, a family of technologies, not just one technology, that comprises artificial intelligence, uh, different levels of that. Again, I'm not going to get too technical. Um, okay. Machine learning. Um, some include within that um, robotic process automation and so on. But really what we're talking about is intelligence, data, algorithms. <clears throat> so rather than talking about artificial intelligence, I like to refer to it, as a lot of the analysts do, as augmented intelligence. So as a result of smartphone technologies in the past 10 years, we've got you know huge amounts of data. And AI is now coming into its own. It's been around since the 1950s. But because of processing power and because of all this incredible data, we're now in a position, particularly in marketing and in sales, to use these algorithms and this data crunching that the machines can do and process much, much faster than our human brain for all kinds of marketing-related applications. Okay, all right. So I guess if you sum it up, it's smart tech, isn't it? It's using tech and data to make smarter decisions. That's correct, yes, exactly. Okay. So, so a lot of people talk about you know, business 4.0 or, or business transformation. And what that isn't is simple digital transformation. There's a lot of people talking about 
you know, Twitter and all of the social platforms that we've had now for 10 or so years. That's slightly different. Yeah. A lot of companies are still going through that digital digitization um, phase. But this is something slightly different. And again, we can expand on that in a, in a few moments. Okay, well, I think the best way as ever to understand, you know, AI or new tech is to look at, you know, where is it being used? What are the use cases and what are the successes and failures? So I know that you've obviously just written a book about this area. So I'm hoping that your your brain is full of great use cases that you can kind of elaborate on some of those ideas for. It definitely is. So as you say, I've just written a book, comes out next month. um, And it's all about, it's called Using Artificial Intelligence in Marketing how to harness AI and maintain the competitive advantage. So it's not about the tech per se. It's about how brands, um, in-house organizations, how people of all different shapes and sizes and sectors can use AI. So I'll give you a few examples. Perfect. Um, So the book spans different parts of the world and different industry sectors, tourism, retail, banking, financial services. So in it, for example, I interviewed um, a guy, I never know how to pronounce this, I think it's Sinjin, and there's that uh, famous piece in Four Weddings and a Funeral where he messes up the name. So I think it's Mark Sinjin Qualter. He's basically <laughs> the, the head of AI at the Royal Bank of Scotland, at RBS. And, he, okay. and there's, a, there's a chapter in my book about the paradox of AI. Because if you think about it, we think of artificial uh, you know, artificial intelligence and robots as this scary, very depersonalized thing, whereas the tr- the opposite is really quite much more accurate. What we're looking at is data that, you know, rightly so the machine is giving us or the algorithms are giving us that actually enables us to give people a much, much more personalized service. So right, he talks okay. in the book about, um, you know, Banks are changing, you know, banks and big organizations have been criticized in the past for not knowing the customer. Um, you know, for example, shutting down their branches, being inaccessible. And he's saying really in the book that um, the AI is able to create, particularly from a marketing point of view, really dynamic versions of segmentation rather than very, you know, being put in this box in a very sort of bland kind of way, we're really able to get into the intricacies of what that customer wants. And when we know what they want, tailoring our products and services for them. So that might be from a marketing point of view in giving them the information they need at the time they need it, or it might actually be adapting the products and services specifically for the needs of that particular customer. Mm, okay, I, I can see how that you know gives the bank the impression that they're building a deeper relationship with their customer. Exactly. I, I guess it feels like as well that they're really just segmenting better and then personalizing, but perhaps the relationship isn't isn't actually closer. It's just more nuanced. Yeah, perhaps. But actually, if if for example somebody is in a call center and they have deep knowledge of your data and that you know with a gdpr gdpr compliance hat on of course so if they have that data whether that's from a retail or a banking perspective or any other if they know in detail what you've bought before what your problems are what your profile is what your demographic it is they can genuinely help you and get to the bottom of your problems and know your previous history 
in a way that that's what you want when you walk into seeing your bank manager or, or seeing somebody that you deal with on a regular basis. You want them to understand your likes, your preferences, your history. Now, of course, you only want to do that if you've given them the approval to use that data. But once you've done so, you know, how many hours have you spent on the end of the phone with a, you know, somebody in the utilities, whether that's a telecoms provider or an energy provider to be passed around departments and not know anything about the last half hour that you spent on the phone. So it's that, you know, it's it's that (laughs) assistant, that data, you know, that's about, predictively what you're likely to want or buy based on your history in a simple nutshell that that's one example of how marketing customer service and sales professionals can help the customer um that's really interesting i had an example of that recently when i was renewing my car insurance and i spent must have been you know half an hour on the phone with one guy in in the uh insurance provider only to be passed over to another department and start all over again and it was very it's very frustrating isn't it and it doesn't do good for the loyalty of you with that you know client with that customer sorry with that company if if you're a customer of theirs Mm. or it doesn't show a very good um, face to them if you're considering working with them another really good example and this was featured in a an article in marketing week um, a few weeks back which mentioned the book as well is um, again this is a brand new job title um, so we have a guy called Sheriff Mitias in America, who's the chief experience officer for the restaurant brand TGI Fridays. Okay. And he's using AI and he's using different um, software companies to help him with this. But he's using AI to create more personal, memorable experiences. And what he talks about is, say, for example, John tweeted and then John came into one of our restaurants. We can make sure that the offer is the best that we can give him. So he talks about generating effective targeted email content for him. And he says how, for example, using the companies that they use, who are the the AI um, tech disruptors in marketing, that the machine learning of AI can tell him the best time, the best platform, and to basically boost his chances of engaging John with the TGI brand. And that's a very different experience to the experience that they want to give, who he refers to as Mary. So it's kind of like giving this really personalized experience. And, you know, that's really important. So I think we've gone from kind of like that mass marketing um, and that need to over social media to be able to communicate with everybody anywhere they want to communicate. And now we're really getting down to pinpoint personalized marketing, which ironically the artificial or augmented intelligence is able to give us. Isn't that ironic? Absolutely. You're using tech, this kind of uh, non-human machine to get closer to other humans, exactly. which is really great. And it, I guess that's that's true one-to-one marketing is, is what really we're looking to get to as marketeers, the ability to identify and work with our customers as though it was a one-to-one that's relationship. That's right. It gets described as personification or personalization by um, the guys over at IBM Watson. So going back to the TGI Fridays case study, because that's really interesting. So um, has have they actually seen the success and some results and in, in a performance improvements based on this tech or are they have they just started to use it and now they're evaluating whether it's actually adding that value that they're expecting it will? Good question. Um, so in terms of return on investment, he quotes over a six month period 
that they um, increased their engagement by 500% in six months. Increased engagement by 500%, which sounds like a really great headline. But what does that actually mean? Increased engagement. So they had more traction through their digital channels. They had more people coming into the store that had a more personalized experience. They, What does that mean? I wonder what that means in a kind of uh, dollars and cents point of view or uh, pounds and pence for this side of the pond. Yeah, that's a good question. And that's important, isn't it? Not just to have the engagement, but what does it mean to the bottom line? And in fact, um, Sheriff Mitias talks about the fact that in one year, they actually doubled their online um, orders. So that's a really impressive statistic. What I don't have access to is the payback period. So I don't know how much money they invested in the AI and what payback period they're going to get for that. But my sense is it would have been pretty quick because a lot of these um, opportunities, some might be simple AI embedded software for content creation. Some might be chatbot related, which might be a bit more expensive. But actually, a lot of this is pretty accessible, not just to big brands, but to the smaller, medium sized organizations as well. Well, well, that's really interesting because, you know, with the explosion of social media over the last 10, 15 years or so, there's been a huge drive to, I guess, with smaller companies to try and compete on a level playing field, having access to the same tools. So are you saying that it's the same with AI and that it's quite accessible to, you know, to start to use AI applications in your market? Yes, it is. And take, for example, um, you know, you've seen HubSpot and Salesforce and some of those organizations, they're starting to, or it's not just starting, they've been around for a while now, you know, to have like things like Einstein. So they're with this kind of premium model, you know, the idea of you pay a subscription and so on, you can start to access some of these AI embedded tools like Einstein at a you know, fairly low cost. So yes, certainly from a marketing point of view and a sales point of view, if you think of AI for CRM, and there's a great um, uh, PDF available that you can read from Salesforce on that, it is very, very accessible for companies of all shapes and sizes. Yeah, excellent. I'll look out for that PDF as well. And, you know, one of the things that we've been looking at over here is the use of chatbots. And chatbots is obviously, well, I say obviously, I'm hoping I'm right here. That's kind of using machine learning technology. Um, but then there are other ways, other tools I've seen advertised for, you know, companies at the smaller end of the market with not such huge budgets. They're tools that will help you to, you know, enhance and improve your Google ad spend or your Facebook ads. Absolutely. Yeah, t- tools you can use to kind of refine and better understand the data analytics from your website and making recommendations for how to improve your website to enhance conversions. That sort right. of stuff seems to be filtering Absolutely. down. Absolutely. The, the book, so just to kind of put it into perspective here, the book is not just about big brands and their use of AI. It's actually about successes and failures. And I don't just interview big brands. I interview um, a lot of the tech disruptors, some of the companies that you're referring to who've come onto the market curiously, for example, have a um, a product which is disrupting the um, market research space. Um, You've got Mm, Conversica, you've got Amperity, you've got so many of them. Um, And they're looking at all kinds of areas. For example, What's the optimum headline to go in the header of your email to optimize email marketing? Um, 
How can you use AI, for example, not a robot walking around your office, but a sort of an assistant who, when you come in of a morning, has been working 24-7 and is like a member of the team and is given a name and emails that team with an update and says, hi, it's Sandra here. You know, I've been checking um, the competition for our clients and I've been tracking all the content. I've been doing this social listening. I've created the posts for you. I've done the analysis of the of the Twitter or the Facebook analytics. So it's actually kind of enhancing what the team does and doing some of um, what we call the three Ds, the dirty, dull and dangerous. So it can actually do some of the <laughs> drudgery work. And I think going forward, yeah. that's the vision is that um, without sounding too utopic, that, that the AI can do some of the grunt work that us PR marketing professionals have to do in-house or for our clients. And therefore, it frees all of us up to be much more client facing, much more value adding, much more strategic. Mm. Just like mm. think of all the previous industrial revolutions, the things that were done manually, you know, we've now been able to aut- automate those. So everything get not everything, but lots of things that can be automated get automated by this machine learning and make for a much more interesting job. So how far away from reality is that? And the reason why I asked the question is, you know, I, in the recent years I've been using Google Assistant and Siri for various things. And, you know, I find that actually they're not as good as they perhaps promised to be. So there's some development still there. And perhaps the more I use them, the better they get. I'm not sure. But, you know, how far away are we from having that ability to come in the morning and, you know, talk to your computer which is also your assistant and say you know how did you get on with their reporting last night is it has it finished you know is that a reality is that coming in the next couple of years or is that it's a really good question and there let's be honest there is still a lot of hype so ai and machine learning are in the gartner hype phase of development they're on that curve and as a result as you alluded to there are some disappointed people so in the book i focus on a bank um, one's called saxo bank in swiss and they developed ai a bit too soon and the ai was gimmicky and so clients found it um mm too gimmicky too limited and i've interacted at some shows in london with pepper walking around the the exhibition floor and again it's pretty gimmicky it's fun and people take a picture with it but when you actually ask it questions it's quite limiting um, and it equally this particular bank found that you know the staff internally weren't ready for it and they found they c- mm. couldn't answer the what's in it for me question and staff felt threatened and again didn't find a huge amount of benefit so it's, it's a long way round of answering your question, which is, you know, it, it, it depends on many, many factors. It depends, for example, on you as a company, whether you want to be an innovator or a laggard. So if you want to get involved early, of course, you're going to reap some, some benefits, but you're going to go through some of these phases where it's not quite right for you. And the speed at which it gets introduced will depend on the acceptance of the consumer. So certain products take off because we love them. They enhance our lives um, and the price therefore comes down. So will the companies that are involved in this make it accessible for us at a price we can all afford so that therefore it does become introduced at scale? 
But certainly, as you say, you know, you've got these voice activated personal assistants, Siri and Alexa, and they're starting to boost that customer acceptance for AI. But there's still quite a bit of work to be done. But I think it will speed up quite quickly over the next couple of years. And as long as the regulations are in place and the privacy boxes are ticked, then I think we will start to see, you know, wide acceptance of it in the next few years, certainly, you know, within three to five years. Um, so we're not talking decades away. We're certainly talking over the coming you know, few years, definitely. Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree with you in terms of that that wide acceptance. You know, certainly things like those virtual assistants, because you know, once you start to play with play around with them, it is quite uh, addictive. And as long as you're aware of the limitations, it is it is, it is does add, add some value, I suppose. And it feels like you know those sectors where you know the brands need to get closer to their customer are going to be those that are leading in the forefront. So you've mentioned TGI Fridays, you've mentioned a couple of bank examples actually and both of those are industries where it really pays to be close to your customer so are those the sectors that are really leading on this or are there other areas other sectors that have really started to adopt ai in their um their marketing mix um tourism is a good one so you've seen some good examples of ai being used by some of the um, airlines um, and again, some of it is not just customer facing so some of it is actually in the back office. So you might see, for example, um, a telecoms company, and I quote BT in the book, who are using the AI to assist with um, predictive analytics. So knowing, for example, if there's bad weather and broadband is affected, um, that actually that's a back office um, activity. So the AI can crunch the data and can look at you know all of the history and the trends and therefore predict that this bad weather is coming, we can take this action, therefore we'll have more people available in our vans and therefore we can go out and repair much, much quicker. Although that's back office, it may be you know supply chain, it may actually be something that the marketing team can exploit in terms of promoting what that brand's doing over and above what another telecoms company is doing. Same with TGI, back to TGI Fridays, they're using some back office AI for rotors, which mean that during busy periods, the staff aren't taking holidays. So actually that leads to customer service benefits. So similarly with the with the airlines, you know, many of the hospitality um, environments like hotels, Marriott, teaming up with Amazon, offering in-room entertainment, all supplied by AI, you know, and you're seeing it with an entertainment perspective with Netflix, with predictive analytics, with Facebook, where image recognition means, you know, through through AI it's advising, you know, when you tag somebody on a photo, this is all AI embedded software that many of us are using day to day. Hive, you know, for our heating and our hot water. Again, you've got AI embedded into the apps for that. So actually, I see it pretty widespread across um, all different industry sectors. Yeah, I can see that as well. And, and I like the the example there of BT, if they're using that analytics to help them to provide a better customer experience basically then that really is marketing's remit isn't it so i I like how that's being used there and that's a very smart play i can see the real advantages of that and that leads us into a really interesting point and i really will just cover this briefly but it's about marketing but it's about customer service it's about hr 
because it's about um, you know retraining people. And you touched on that at the very beginning of today's um, interview. You know, how do you retrain people? So all of this is about business transformation because it's impacting every single department in an organisation. The legal team. For example, the marketing team, think of what a CMO is doing. You're asking me about which tools, which software companies, what should we invest in? This used to be the domain of the IT department or the CTO. Now you've got Absolutely. marketing with this big budget to do that. So you can see why kind of C-suite, you know, the, the, the MDs or the owner, heads of owner managers or the CEOs are struggling because it's kind of turning everything on its head. Absolutely. And I, and I think that you know, as again, back again, referring to the advance in, um, you know, marketing tech and social media, you saw that shift of budgets from the IT department to the marketing department. And, you know, you've seen some headbutting there, butting of heads even to get to get to a point where, you know, marketing is in charge of a big stack of tech budget effectively. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess moving on from that point, because your book covers successes and failures. And what would be really interesting is, you know, if have you seen in your interviews kind of common themes between the, the the success cases as to how they approached adopting AI in their businesses? What are the kind of stages that they went through to to create a successful implementation? Well, many of them didn't go through the stages. Many of them, and I'm quoting from Hong Kong, from you know, from China, from the US, from the UK. They did so in a very tactical way, and many of the providers of the AI applications shared with me that they, many of their clients were mandated by their bosses to open up their shopping bag and buy some AI. Just oh, really? Okay. To be seen to be getting on the AI bandwagon, and that's the complete opposite of what we're recommending in the book and what people have learned. Don't just jump on the bandwagon. We need to approach AI in a strategic way. We need to know the problem that AI can help you solve as an organization, whether that's, for example, stopping you as an HR team from being very biased in your interviews, whether it's as a PR team in-house, you know, actually um, being much more productive and using the right technologies to offer tools that, you know, are going to help you differentiate yourself from the competition whatever it is you need to do proofs of concept you need to shop around you need to make sure that the people that you um, get pitched to have got case studies of success in your industry are not fly by nights who are going to disappear you know overnight with your money so these small proofs of concept you need to think about the culture you need to think about retraining people, you know, in-source versus outsource. So I've got in my book a scorecard for success, which covers lots of these different um, areas that's, that are to do with, you know, the, the, the culture of the organization, the budget, the, the learning, the strategic nature, the proofs of concept and so on. So it's, it's pretty, pretty detailed. That scorecard sounds really, really useful. And it's interesting to hear you talk about, I guess, you know, not just jumping straight into the tools there, you know, think about the business need, the business problems you need to solve first and then, you know, build up to it is kind of what I'm exactly. hearing there, you know, using some proofs of concepts, some simple concepts and trials first to build up, which I think is really relevant. And one of the big points we've co covered a couple of times, actually, there, as you, you mentioned it again, was retraining mm -hmm. and culture. So, you know, as 
in the world of marketing, we use more and more technology. It always feels to me like the skills you need as a marketeer to success in this, to be successful in this world are very different to when I started out in my career, um, which is, you know, getting on for about 20 years ago. You know, the world has evolved rapidly. So I'm guessing you're seeing the same in this space, in AI. And if so, you know, what sort of skills um, do you need to be able to, to work in a marketing environment and using this kind of It's a really of good question. And so I start at the very beginning saying, you know, I'm, I've been in marketing for 28 years, so I, I, I'm over 50. And I wrote the book for exactly this reason. I needed, I, I felt that having been at the cutting edge of digital for 10 years, um, everyone was catching up. And, you know, being a bit older and not being in London, being in Tunbridge Wells in Kent, I needed that USP. So for me, it was about future proofing myself, certainly for the next decade. And that's why I went and invested time and effort and money and set up a consultancy in AI. So, but the truth is, and only getting down to the nitty gritty of this now, I am not um, a technologist who is advising brands on how to code in Python for AI. I'm advising businesses with my MBA and 28 years of experience on how they need to evolve, what their business strategy needs to be, what their marketing strategy needs to be in relation to these new tools, this new way of doing business. So fundamentally, my skill set has enhanced a bit, but it's still about people skills. It's still about business knowledge and acumen and being able to convey that it's still being an incredible writer. And obviously, I've done that with the book. And that's a good proof point for me. But day to day now, I'm still advising clients and with my team, helping clients buy writing blogs, content, strategy papers. So actually, I've gone down more the path of business knowledge, being a great person with clients, um, and so on. Now, if you're starting out your career, you might actually say, well, if you're pretty technical, it might be a good idea to move into the knowledge of the data analytics and some of the machine learning. And that would be amazing. But if you're not and you're more of a creative arts wordsmith type person, then stick with that and learn your trade but stay up to speed, read the right books, listen to the right podcasts, go to the right conferences, you know, work for whether it's an agency or an in-house brand that is progressive and is going to, you know, be using these kinds of tools and techniques. That would be my advice. Got you. Okay. So it's not a case that, you know, new marketeers need to be tech people. It's a case that there's now a different career path within the marketing world that includes more of a a technology slant, whether it's digital marketing or AI or whatever. They need to, I think everybody needs to be on a journey of continuous learning. And if you can be more technical, even though you might be a creative graduate of, of journalism or PR marketing, if you can ensure that you understand some of the, the technology, that will really help you. Because if you're going to be working with client, with, with suppliers who are providing you with tools for AI analytics or helping you with all different aspects of it, it helps to understand a bit about it. But obviously what I'm not saying is go and retrain to be one of the, those people if that's not your bent, so to speak. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, and I'm and I'm kind of I'm kind of like you in in that you know I've 
got my marketing chops, as it were, in a world where we didn't use so much tech. And obviously, tech has become more and more important. But I'm never going to be the guy that can build a, a website or the guy that can put together uh, you know, any kind of applications, for example. But I understand that world. And it's, I think, from my point of view, for my career, it's essential that I kind of stay on top. And, and that's why it's great having conversations with people like you, Katie, because, you know, you're experts in your field and, I, and I'm learning whilst Absolutely. we're talking, and which is really Again, helpful. just to reassure you even more and, and all of the listeners, um, AI today is where web development was, say, 15 years ago, where you had to be really... I say really skilled. Of course, people are skilled who do web development, but now it's much more plug and play and AI is heading that way. So, for example, with IBM Watson's suite of marketing tools or, you know, Adobe Sensei or, you know, Microsoft or Amazon Azure that, you know, you, you can go to them and they provide a platform and you can, you know, buy what you need. You don't need to know the detail of how. We're not interested in the tech at the moment. All the focus, because it's new, is on the tech. In time, it will be consumed into the software, whether that's Microsoft, Apple, I don't know. But just like we have Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, Excel, it's pretty easy, isn't it, to, to do that? We don't need to know how it's done. And that's where AI will go as well. I totally agree with you. And I think that that, I guess, consumerization of the tech will make it you know much easier to adopt whatever uh, whatever your skill set, whatever your uh, whether you're a techie person or more of a creative person, you know, as it becomes more consumer oriented, exactly. you'll be able to adopt it much more easily. So, Katie, I mean, that's fascinating. It's really interesting to hear about those case studies. It's really interesting to get some insight as to to what's been happening and to, to you know what's coming next. But um, where should our listeners go uh, if they want to find out some more? I mean, obviously, you've got a fabulous book that's just about to come out. Um, but what else is there is alongside your book that people should be referring to? Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously, you know, it'd be great to connect with your listeners. So I'm Katie at Katie E. King on Twitter. Um, Katie King Zudikas on Instagram. I've got a website, AIinmarketing.com. So that's me and obviously the book we've mentioned. But, you know, check out... Um, what people like IBM Watson and um, Amazon Azure um, are doing, Adobe Sensei. Read that Salesforce um, article that I mentioned. I'll look that up, put it in the show notes. But, you know, what I do pretty much every day is Google the news. So I go to Google and look at Google News and I Google what's happening on AI in marketing or AI in PR or AI in sales. And I just keep up to speed with obviously the credible sources, whether that's the, you know, a good national paper or Huffington Post or um, e-consultancy. So it's keeping up to speed with credible sources of what the developments are. But be careful that you don't then get um, falling into that trap of jumping on the latest development, because you've got to go back to your organization or your client's organization and say, where do you want to be? Are you satisfied that you're going to, you know, stay competitive, but you're not going to lead in this industry? Are you going to be a follower, in which case you've got, you know, time? Or do you really want to innovate and disrupt? Um, so you kind of you're doing it at your own pace, depending on what your organization's culture and objectives are. Um, and I think that's really important, too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
So just um, just one more time for our listeners, what's your book called and where can people get it? So it's called Using Artificial Intelligence in Marketing, How to Harness AI and Maintain the Competitive Advantage. It's published by Kogan Page and it's already available on um, Amazon. So if you literally go into Google and do Amazon Katie King AI, you'll find it. It's ready to pre-order now. Um, I'd be happy to give your listeners a, a discount code if any of them are interested. Um, Absolutely. You know, it always helps, doesn't it? Especially, <laughs> especially <cool>. in January. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, for me, the book is, it's not about selling copies of the book for financial reasons. Of course, that helps. It's about staying ahead of the game. It's about, you know, it gave me an amazing opportunity to reach out to some really interesting brands and up and coming brands um academics and all kinds of people so it, it is a really good insight into what the world is doing at the moment as far as ai marketing goes fantastic i will definitely be picking up a copy it sounds like it's a, a kind of must read for this year uh, if you're a marketeer um so katie look thanks again for joining me it's been a really interesting look into the world of ai i think uh, i've certainly learned a lot and i'm sure our listeners will have picked up some some real uh, gems there as well um, and I think you've mentioned how best to connect with you on Twitter, etc. So hopefully folks will be able to find that. I'll put a link to to that in the show notes. But good luck with the book. And um, yeah, let's stay in touch. Thank you very much, Andy. Great show. Thank you. Thank you.